I'd like uh, to read a short little essay by one of my favorite writers with the very interesting name of Verlin Klinkenborg. Some of you may know him. He writes usually a weekly column for the New York Times. Very brief, a meditation always on something he's noticed on his farm in, I think it's Upper State, New York. Uh, This one is called The Silence of the Leaves. The other night, one of the dogs rolled over in its sleep and fell off the bed. The crash woke me up, though it didn't seem to disturb the dog. The moon was shining, even brighter for the veil of clouds around it. It was one of the restless hours, a few minutes after two, when thoughts come alive the way forks and knives used to do in the old cartoons after the humans had gone to bed. I've been thinking about the way autumn has stolen upon us. When the first leaves turn, a roadside maple in August, it's easy to ignore the coming season. But now, all the trees are turning in concert, rushing to a foregone conclusion. I'm struck by how silently it happens. The pastures have gone quiet at night. The tree crickets have done for the year. I keep listening anyway, as if I might hear some faint cellular music as the leaves lose their green. The trees themselves seem to have gathered around the house so that I can feel just how silent they really are. Only the wind makes them speak. Then I begin to brood about my ugly apples, which weigh down the three heirloom trees along the driveway. They are crabbed and tumored and scarred, and their skins are dry and scaled like the face of the moon. But inside, they're as bright as moonlight, and small as they are, they taste enormous. I'll pick these hundreds of apples, put up some of them in one form or another, apple syrup, and wish in this pigless year that I had pigs to share the windfall with. And that is as far as I get before one of the dogs yawns aloud and the moon slips out of the window frame and we all wink out again. Well, I've got a homily, which makes me think of harmony. Makes me feel gritty. And uh, I'm one of those chickens that envies eagles. Fall is my favorite season because it seems the most adult of the four seasons. By adult, I mean honest about limitations 
and accepting of the transition between life and death. This transition evokes a complex emotional state, much more interesting to me than the emotions associated with the other three seasons. Spring is hopeful, the time of rebirth and resurrection, the season when, after the dreariness of winter, life starts over again. Summer is hot, lush, and simmering, a time of both growth and laziness. Winter is cold, sometimes frozen, a time of hibernation, solitude, and death. But fall acknowledges all the emotions of the other seasons, blending them into a bittersweet feeling of melancholy. I'm just speaking for myself now. This melancholy is kin to sadness, but also offers a thoughtful and meditative and even a pleasurable sense. Most of us don't seek out melancholy, but when it comes over us, it's a potentially teaching emotion. I think fall is especially useful to Unitarian Universalists because we like to think of our faith as a mixture of emotion and reason. Melancholy is a blend of sad feeling and meditative musing. Fall is the time of harvesting the crops, binding the sheaves of wheat, collecting the fallen leaves, and making the house secure for the long, cold season to come. There's a delightful crispness in the air. And if you don't live in the city, sometimes the enticing smell of burning leaves. The popular song, Autumn Leaves, is lovely because of its pleasantly melancholy blend of melody and lyrics. People's Church is not only feeling the melancholy of this season, but also the mingled sadness and hopefulness of the transition between saying goodbye to our former minister and hello to our interim minister. We went through 15 changes of the season with Jill. We've only experienced about three months with Pam. But if we're grown up about our feelings... I suspect most of us are feeling melancholy, perhaps, rather than sad and anxious. Fall is the most mature of all the seasons because it challenges us to accept what we don't often want to accept. We don't like to say goodbye to the long, open days of summer, fun, and frolic. I think there's a song about that somewhere. We also don't like to say hello to the long confinement of winter. But fall gives us time to get used to the gladness of summer and the sadness of winter. Without all the sometimes naive joy of spring.
our church is not simply feeling the fall, but adjusting to an autumnal spirit. That word autumnal just has a different ring to it, doesn't it, than fall? To be in an autumnal stage is to recognize the stateliness and high significance of this season. If you don't have a little poetry in your soul, you may only think of the chore of raking and blowing leaves. Yes, blowing leaves. This is an inside joke. You have to abide the noise of the leaf blower. On the other hand, if you do have some poetical feelings... You may welcome the deep significance of autumn because then you might regard the gathering of leaves as a religious ceremony. Marking the important transition of harvesting, gathering together, and leave-taking. Some of you may not know this story. Perhaps it's apocryphal. You know that famous poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood, and I Took the Road Less Traveled By, and that made all the difference. When he first wrote that, that the character, the unnamed character in the poem, couldn't decide whether he wanted to take the road less traveled by or the other one. And so Frost said, let's just make like a tree and leave. <laughs> the, the, I think the, the final poem was probably a little better. I can sum up. I think of a winter month, January which I really think should be an autumn month, not a cold winter month, because if you remember your Roman mythology, Janus, after whom January is named, was a two-faced god. He had two heads, one looking backward, the other forward. And this is what this church is doing right now. Looking back... We honor the meaningful time we shared with our previous minister. Looking forward, we honor the journey that has brought Reverend Pam, or Pastor Pam, to People's Church. And we welcome her to this significant journey with us through all the four seasons. The phrase to turn over a new leaf generally refers to making a new start and implying that the new start will be an improvement. In some cases, turning over a new leaf means making a radical change, especially for the better, in one way, one's way of living. The earliest known account of the phrase to turn over a new leaf maybe from the process of handwriting a manuscript as early as the 1500s, referring to the word leaf as any flat sheet, especially 
in a manuscript. And still today, don't we leaf through a magazine or book? Of course, before the invention of the printing press, manuscripts were copied by hand. And no doubt, copying a manuscript was a tough task. Doing so beautifully and without error required great skill and discipline. So imagine the frustrated novice with ink-stained fingers who looks at the page he painstakingly finished. Oh no, too many errors. Impossible to correct. He would have to start over. Fortunately, an experienced brother notices the distress on his face and gently says, turn over a new leaf, start again, and don't be so hard on yourself. Thank goodness a new start was possible. Turning over a new leaf, relief. Maybe the new start will mean following the same path as before, but noticing on that familiar path new sights to discover. Maybe the well-worn trail you love has has turns in the road that you have not yet taken, a road less traveled. Well, what would Robert Frost say to that? I remember at eight or nine years old, I found an arrowhead. It was near the Red River that was separated Oklahoma from Texas. And I couldn't wait to show this beautiful little piece of rock with a point to my dad. And he was excited and started telling me stories about the Indians that had lived along the Red River. Think what I could would have missed if I hadn't been digging around with a stick, casually looking for something curious. I hadn't thought about that arrowhead for years until I saw a spectacular find that your database manager, Dana Kabinsky, shared with me shortly after I arrived here. She saw the rocks and the fossils and the shells on my desk and ventured to share some of her search expeditions with me. And while my finds were mostly happenstance, Dana's were intentional and well-planned. She did her research to find out where digs might be most productive. And a well-planned leaf turned over might bring something unexpected. Well, two feet deep in the South Carolina sand, she found this. Who knows what it is? A shark's tooth. I could not believe they were so big. I mean, I've never seen a shark in person, but (laughs) whoa. Turning over a new leaf and finding a treasure. It could be a tiny shell, glistening rocks, Or if you dig deeper, maybe a shark's tooth. Or maybe even a new talent, a new pursuit. A companion saying to turning over a new leaf is opening a new door. This could mean making more room. More room for guests. More room for the stranger. Someone who may be looking for thought-provoking ideas that speak to his heart or delight her intellect. Making room for the stranger could be the extended hand of fellowship. 
that changes someone's life substantially. Helping the seeker turn over a new leaf. Or what about asking someone new to join a committee or take on a special job that needs doing? So many leaves to turn over. I feel a delightful anticipation when I remember that one of the major functions of a faith community is to open the doors wide to welcome the stranger who may be eager to turn over a new leaf. But it's not only about encouraging others on their journey. Sometimes we, too, feel the need to slow down and ponder our own path. Are we headed in the direction we really want to go? Are we headed in the direction we really want to go? In the coming week, you might want to reflect on your own personal search for truth and meaning. You might take with you some of the thoughts that you heard from Sue Caulfield this morning. Might you be feeling the nudge toward a different course? When was the last time you turned over a new leaf? Intentionally or not? And what did it mean for you? For Di and me, staking out a temporary homestead in a city we had never seen was certainly turning over a new leaf. Di had vacationed in Michigan several times with her children when they were young, and she and I had later visited Ann Arbor. But to be honest, I didn't know that Kalamazoo was a real town. (laughs) I thought it was one of those nice words that they put in songs like, I've got a gal. And sidetracking for a moment, Di and I celebrated her 65th birthday in Three Rivers, thanks to Christina Cusimano telling me about the Glenn Miller Band that would be performing in the newly renovated Riviera Theater. So I have finally heard that wonderful song, and I wouldn't mind if some of you good singers here would gather an ensemble to sing that song the day after my birthday, Sunday, November the 10th. (laughs) And if that doesn't give you enough time to prepare, there's next year. And that will be my 60th, so you can sing it for me then. Life has a way of throwing us unexpected pleasures, gifts, and also keeping us on our toes. Transition has a way of challenging our hearts and minds. And some of us handle transition well, and others go into the dark. We resist change and the difference it brings. At the other end of the scale, some find transitions exhilarating, even stimulating, and where is that new leaf that I can turn over? Where do you fall on that spectrum? When turning over a new leaf does not bring what we hoped, we try again, maybe moving a little further down the sandy beach to find that arrowhead or shark's tooth or a new thought. 
Special fines come around every once in a while. People's Church was fortunate, very fortunate, to have a talented minister for 15 good years. Wise, caring, active, funny, creative. When Jill turned over a new leaf, you did too. And after the shock comes, what's next? After all, it wasn't your choice to turn over a new leaf at this time. And even with the beautiful send-off that you gave her, many of you will feel her presence in this space from some time, for some time to come. You will wish she were here. And even though you support her fully in her decision to move back to the part of the world that was home for her, you may feel like you would rather crawl under that leaf for a while instead of turning it over and moving on. The stages of grief are real. There is no quick fix, no easy consolation. Rather, the hands of time will bring sadness for some, even deep emptiness, but eventually it will ease. As hard as it is to deal with the sense of loss, you will find your way to a place of peace. You will find your way to a place of peace. In time, you will be able to turn over a new leaf, and move into a new and wonderful experience. But remember, grieving is a part of the web of life that keeps us emotionally healthy. Fortunately, there are many folks here who are experienced in helping people through their grief. In addition to the well-attended monthly gathering called Facing Life, Facing Death, There may be a need for a group called Facing Transition Grief. To let yourself move through this process is nourishing, and it is not disloyal to anyone. Rather, acknowledging your grief at the loss of a beloved minister is a sign of well-being, a sign of health, a sign of being the adult that David talked about. It's a sign of becoming whole. The interim period between the minister who leaves and the new minister who will arrive in less than two years is a time of meaningful transition. And we all take part in it in some way. Over time, it will likely bring you unanticipated gifts over time, personally and for the church as a whole. So I encourage those of you who feel sadness to embrace it. Don't run from it. And learn what it means to work with your grief, even if it is something you have done before. We know life brings loss in many forms. We've heard about some of it today. It also brings tools to help us learn how to move through that loss. 
May we look to the leaves of autumn and revel in their beauty, knowing that soon they will be gone and new ones will come in time to take their place. May we lift our eyes to the sky-high walnut tree, stately and strong. They too will release each leaf one at a time. May we treasure the beauty even of the decaying tree trunks where little animals share, little animals store their goods or make their safe home for winter. Let us not miss the grandeur of the evergreens, secure in their retention of soft needles for a new season. Surrounded by the blanket of autumn, let us snuggle together, holding each other closely, sharing tears, sharing smiles, sharing our stories of faith, hope, and love. Let us turn over a new leaf together. <laughs>